0: As a small business owner, your to-do list is long. The Knot makes advertising easy and connects you with the right couples at the right time. Visit vendors.thenot.com podcast for 15% off your first month with code PODCAST15. You're listening to Sports Radio Detroit. Get the scoop on Tigers today.
1: <laughs>
2: Brown.
0: Listening to Tigers SRD on sportsradio Welcome to another episode of Tigers SRD here on SportsRadio powered by the Overtime Media Network and coming soon, the Tigers minor League Report. I'm Roger i'm Chris Brown, and tonight we have a special guest with us, friend of the show. And you can find him now on the Road to Detroit podcast, which is available on wherever you're listening to podcasts, whether iTunes, Spotify, what have you, as he has an off day as the Whitecaps host, the Dayton Dragons, starting tomorrow at 4-4 game homestand, Dan Hasty, Dan, how's it going? Hey, boy. Good to talk to you. It's been a while. It has been a while. And I know you were popping champagne earlier with the Riley Green debut, and you got a chance to talk about the podcast, talked about how composed and uh, just seemed like for his age, already kind of advanced. But what a debut, man. What a debut.
1: I mean, you know, I, I guess you don't mind if I open up, like, tickets to the overreaction theater, <laughs> do you boys? Is that okay? Because, like, I mean, you go four for five in your debut with a double and two homers and a four for five. Like, come on. Like, that—that—that that, that, is, that is striking. And I really do think that this is probably the second biggest, event in the Tigers minor league system behind only Casey Mize throwing a no hitter in his double a debut. I mean, this is the the signature piece of the position player side of the rebuild. I think we can all agree on that right now. I mean, he's certainly the guy that they use the highest draft capital to acquire. So now the fact that he's the one that goes out and absolutely becomes a destroyer of worlds. I mean, he went wreck it Ralph in that first game. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, of, absolutely. I I don't think it's a stretch to think now, based on the fact that he's able to do this in his first game, that I thought this was a slim-to-none shot, but maybe, just maybe, we might see him in West Michigan at some point this year, which I never thought I'd say.
0: Yeah, and, and, and we look at the West Michigan bats in a little bit and talk about the we – we'll have a couple questions about that a little later, but – yeah, any offensive pop right now would be helpful for the White Caps, but it, it, you talk about these kind of events. I mean, it, this is something that you don't see very often in the Tiger 1000000 League system that I can recall following it so closely where you it's not just it's not just sizzle, there's some stake to it. And I mean, the Tigers had they've been talking about drafting for a while and but the composure out there and seeing some of the stuff that uh James Chipman was posting there earlier here it looks like he's just the Gulf Coast League is just going to be maybe perhaps just less of the week it seems like
1: I mean I think that's what we'll all be watching I I mean when it comes to GCL I mean we'll be watching green and I saw Jack Kenley the eighth rounder had a pretty good game too I think I saw a home run for him and three hits so I mean there's another guy who I think we'll have to keep an eye on too I mean he had a pretty good you know stretch run through the college baseball playoffs but You know, to to get that guy and and Green in the same lineup, that'll at least give us a very good reason to keep an eye on GCL. And I guess now the question is how long we'll be keeping an eye on GCL and how long will that focus shift to to Riley Green maybe in Connecticut? Because, I mean, you know, we we saw, and obviously they are at different places in their development, but, you know, last year Brock Detheridge, well, he, he rolled out of bed and he hit three home runs in his first GCL game. And, yeah, I know he's a senior sign out of NC State, but he showed that he was way too good for that league right away. And, you know, obviously there needs to be a little bit more body of work with Riley. Like, you know, let's not totally send him off to Connecticut or West Michigan just yet. But, you know, I, I think based on this, it gives us a, the inclination that, you know, it's not crazy anymore to think that, Connecticut's definitely going to happen. I think that we can already kind of agree on that. But, you know, and I said this to somebody else a few weeks ago. If Riley Green ends up in West Michigan this year, it will have been a home run season for him, and he will have established insane prospect status.
2: I didn't expect it, but here we are.
1: So, again, it's not, it's not crazy anymore, and I love it.
2: Yeah, you know, I, th- I think I was expecting him to – He'll come out and, and perform well. He's highly touted, highly regarded, and then probably spend all of next year in West Michigan. Uh, but again, yeah, as soon as you, you go out and do this, and suddenly you're accelerating all the timetables in your head. It's like, oh, well, okay, West Michigan for a little bit this year, then probably half of next year, then Lakeland, and then Eastern an Area, then the majors. <laughs> but, well, and I'm uh, so glad yeah.
1: you mentioned the timetables too, because like, you know, how many people were just kind of bemoaning the fact that with all the talent in double-A that the Tigers went with a high school kid at fifth overall. And maybe they could have gone with a college bat that wasn't as highly regarded, but the four guys that I think people wanted were already off the board by that point. So, you know, they took Riley Green. And I will admit, like, over the past week, I was kind of keeping an eye on what C.J. Abrams was doing for the Padres, and (laughs) it was just sucking little pieces of my soul out every single day. So now being able to see this, You know, you think about the timetable and you go, "Okay, yeah, Casey Mize and Matt Manning will be in Detroit probably this time next year. I think we can agree that that's, you know, assuming everybody stays healthy, which I know is a bit shaky at the moment. But I think that's a realistic time frame. But, you know, how fast can a guy like Riley Green catch up to to that group? Well, maybe it won't take as long as we initially thought.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I was watching those Abrams stats, too, and I'm like, oh, boy, he's like 9 for 12 in his first three games. But I think, yeah, if anything, it kind of tells us that, that the Gulf Coast League is maybe not even the equivalent of, like, the showcase circuit for high schoolers. So, but, uh, yeah, I mean, these guys were were top 10 picks for a reason. And, uh, yeah, like you said, it's, it's, it's cause for excitement, and it's good. The Tigers fans need that uh, <laughs> in any way they can get it right now.
1: I remember somebody saying they were giving them, like, a 70-grade hit tool. Maybe it was a Fangraphs guy. And they said that giving a high school kid a 70-grade hit tool is just, like, just not something they do. And uh, I think we kind of figured out why they considered that. So <laughs> all's well that ends well.
2: Yeah. So the uh, one thing I wanted to talk about, since you are, you're you're there covering the, the white caps all day, every day, uh, is, is focus a little bit on what they're doing this year. And, and one of the things, one of the good things about the low minors and all the way up to double A now, I guess, is that they split the season in two. So uh, you could kind of shake off a rough first half like the Whitecaps did and uh, hope that they start the second half better. But uh, not so much there either. (laughs) I I think uh, they go 0 for 4, get no hit uh, the first part of the second half. Um, Yeah, Was it rough, the word that you used?
1: Rough? Yeah, that might (laughs) be
2: underselling it a
0: little bit.
1: But, uh, you know, look, you're right. It splits into two. And look, I mean this version of the Whitecaps were a lot younger than any other team that I've at least been a part of during my time in West Michigan. And, you know, the, the core of players has seemingly always been a group of college kids this year. It was Parker Meadows, 19 years old. Wenzel Perez, 19 years old, you know, Jose King, 20 years old. He's already down in Connecticut. So like, you know, they, they clearly had the core of their team much, much younger. And I think we kind of saw this coming for a while Like, the Tigers started getting really aggressive about a year and a half ago with their prospects. Like, all of a sudden, guys who would typically play the full season in West Michigan, like, here's a perfect example. Look at what Nick Ames is doing in Lakeland. So, Ames came to West Michigan and just crushed it for the first six weeks. Typically, that kind of guy used to stay in West Michigan the whole year. That doesn't happen anymore. So, now, and Dave Littlefield said this, too, like, these guys – adhere to strict age guidelines when it comes to if you are this old you need to be at this level so i think that's one reason why guys will move a lot quicker now so you know if if riley green's in west michigan at you know 18 years old that's saying something but they usually want guys in west michigan by about 20 or 21 years old and i think that's the reason why they assigned guys like Nick Quintana to West Michigan, Andre Lipsius to West Michigan. You know, the Tigers' second and third round picks literally didn't play anywhere else and just came right to the Whitecaps. And I think that's all kind of boiling down to this age model that they have. So, you know, that doesn't surprise. And, you know, I think they're just trying to catch up with the rest of baseball in
0: that regard. And Nick, I mean, and look at Ames' numbers, too. They're still top five among all the batting averages in the Midwest League. And that's saying something, considering... What's been going down? Something special with Bowling Green and some of the Tampa prospect, Tampa Bay prospects that just dominated the All Star game. That just it was eight or nine. It was nine guys, I believe, nine prospects from that team that made the All Star game in the Midwest League. It's something ridiculous. But Ames made such an impact to still be in among the top ten hitters in, in the Midwest League. It's saying something, and, and it's a bright spot too. But um, before we get to the new new names on there, I just want to talk about a little bit about the pitching that's going on right now. Uh, the, we had uh, Matt Sh- uh, Shock on from Detroit News, who was doing an article on Hugh Smith. Hugh Smith going out there, uh, pitching pretty well. Who are some other pitching surprises? Or who, who's who been kind of like Chris and I talked about. I thought Adam Wolf would get off to a good start. Hasn't been the case yet. But in terms of pitching surprises or, or starters out there, who has uh, really stood out to you, Dan? You know, when it comes to West Michigan,
1: um, you know, it, it is a team. I mean, we have to look at it. For the facts, right? I mean, the Whitecaps have one of the you know highest ERAs in all the Midwest leagues, so there really isn't a whole lot in terms of surprises. I think, if anything, the surprises might be guys who were built to, to be a little bit better and and haven't performed to what we thought. Um, but in terms of just guys that have have, have impressed, uh, I'd say Robbie Wellhaft is probably a guy like that. Uh, he is 24 years old, so I, I don't know how much is there. It long-term, but you know, he's, he's got an ERA, you know, under two on the year between two levels. So he he's come out and I think he struck out 16 batters his last two games. And that's like 11 innings combined. So that's not bad. Um, out of the bullpen. Uh, I do like this story. Uh, I'm always a, a sucker for a Michigan guy. So uh, Wayne state warrior, Jared Toby, <laughs> who, uh, who was, and uh, he's actually been pretty good. Uh, lefty, I wouldn't call it a delivery, but kind of a delivery just very difficult on left-handed hitters. And he's had a lot of success against lefties. So, you know, in a year where their bullpen has really struggled, he's been one of the the few bright spots and he hasn't been immune to it either. He gave up back-to-back home runs that tied and lost the game on Sunday in Lake County. So, you know, it's it's kind of affecting everybody right now. But I would say of all the, the relievers, I think Toby's probably been the, the best.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I came into the year kind of hopeful for the rotation. Uh, things have happened. Roger mentioned that Wolf hasn't been uh, what we expected. You know, I, I typically assume that college lefties are just going to come in and dominate. But uh, I, I'm a fan of Wilhel Hernandez, at least uh, sometimes. He seems to be kind <laughs> of inconsistent. I'd like to see the, the curveball tighten up a little bit more. But I'm curious what you've seen about him and uh, if you expect to see Carlos Guzman again this year.
1: Yeah, you know what? I don't know about Guzman, honestly. Um, I'm a little worried about that because, you know, when he came out of the ball game, you know, it just it just had an ominous feel to it. Um, You didn't really see him pointing to any specific place. And there really was no hesitation. I mean, as soon as as soon as they came out to look at him, they were already motioning to the bullpen. So clearly whatever it was was something that is a significant concern for them. I don't know if we see him this year. Um, I guess, I guess no news is good news at this point, because what are we about maybe a month removed from that? We yeah. haven't heard about any, any type of surgery or anything like that. So maybe that's a, a positive and maybe they're trying to to let him rehab it through maybe rest or maybe a therapy program. But so um, I don't know about Guzman. Um, Will Kell is, is interesting Um, I think, you know, I think people expected a little bit more from Will Kell now that he had a little time in the Midwest League under his belt last year. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, the the kind of the the story on Will Kell has always been it's going well until it's not. Meaning, basically, Will Kell is the kind of guy that can go get seven or eight guys out in a row. And then the moment he puts on a runner, things just have tended to snowball for him. So he needs to be able to work out of jams and not be able to, and not really kind of succumb to the moment. So that's, that's really important for Will Kel. Uh That's going to be his next, you know, he's only 20 years old. So he still has time to work things out and his numbers are fine. I mean, he has five wins. And if you're a pitcher in West Michigan with five wins this year, you should have a, a medal or a parade <laughs> or a hug of some type. So, you know, he's, he's putting up decent numbers. The ERA's in the low fours. So yeah, I mean, he could be a guy that we could see kind of take a take a turn and kind of make that move and kind of reestablish some prospect status in the second half. I could see that, especially considering he's been in West Michigan for
2: about a year now. Hmm. Now you uh, you briefly touched on the uh, the the draft picks that have already showed up, uh, Quintana and Lipschitz, but I'm I'm wondering, uh, you know, they've only played like three or four games, but I'm curious if you've seen anything out of them to to get excited, maybe just in the infield or batting practice?
1: Well, with Quintana, uh, we've certainly seen the power that everybody talked about. He was putting balls off light towers in batting practice his first day on on the job. So, you know, he he certainly has it in that bat. Uh, Didn't run into one over the weekend in Lake County. Um, You know, it is an ambitious assignment. I mean, yeah, he's a second rounder and yeah, he's got talent, but you know, the guys he's facing in the Midwest League are better than the guys he faced in the Pac-12, so he's going to have a little, little bit of a learning curve. I don't think it'll be very long, but I do think that guys who who show up coming from the SEC and Lipsius's case or the Pac-12, I mean, they're they're gonna see some impressive stuff when they get here. So, especially considering you know they're gonna go up against guys who've probably been here for you know if nothing else at least a month or two. Uh, or they're kind of fish out of water. So they're still getting comfortable. I mean, heck, I think they just met their host families today. So they were kind of living out of a suitcase this weekend. But now they'll have a seven-game homestand coming up. And, you know, I think they're going to be a much appreciated asset to that offense. Lipsy has finally started to have some good swings yesterday. I think he had two hits and five at-bats. So, We'll we'll see kind of how that looks going forward, but they both barreled up balls over the weekend. Uh, they were fine defensively. They they both made errors as well, but I don't think that they were errors that would concern you greatly. There was a drop pop up, I think, and then a wild throw on a play that Quintana was trying to charge a baseball on. So just just you know little stuff that I think is correctable. But you know the the offense certainly plays, and I and I've heard so many good things about them. I think they'll have a, a lot of help for
0: West Michigan. I do. And the, uh, well, well, before we get to the questions, too, the, the progress of Sam McMillan, seems like he's kind of, in terms of the d- defensively, offensively speaking, seems like he's made a couple steps. What are you seeing in his progress so far? He's uh, just 20 years old and a and fifth-round draft pick. And it, Chris has talked about this before, that catchers take a long time to develop. But how is his development progress so far? Well, the fact that he has good plate discipline, you know, I think gives him a shot.
1: I mean, we've been watching, you know, guys in this minor league system and all around baseball for years. And I think we could probably agree that one of the most important traits is that walk-to-strikeout ratio. And if you can have it in a respectable manner, I mean, I think McMillan something like 35 and 36 right now walks the case. So he has the ability to recognize spin and, you know he's not he, he's not a guy that goes into peaks and valleys he's he's getting on base pretty consistently yeah 7 13 so, yeah you know he he keeps putting himself in these driver seat counts you know 2-0, 3-1, and 30 and so you do have to think at some point he's going to start barreling up more baseball he just hasn't done it very much but you know if he keeps putting himself in in these good counts i think he almost has to i mean you can't you can't continue to show really good pitch recognition and not be able to take a good swing at anything so you know he's he's had a couple of good swings this year but i don't think it's as many as i expected but he's still getting on base he's a 400 on base so I mean, you kind of just go all right that's cool you know i can live with 400 on base and then figure out we can figure out the rest later um in terms of his defense um he's had a tough year throwing out base runners i think he's under i think he's under 10 percent throwing out opposing base stealers so that's That's a bit of a bit of a red flag. Um, But that being said, uh, over the past weekend, I think he threw two guys out in four tries. So he had a couple of good throws this weekend. So we'll see if that's something he can work on and build on. Um, But, you know, blocks a good way behind the plate. I think he received a good game. Um, And that's pretty that's good for a 20 year old. Those are those are building blocks. I think you can you can go. All right. You know, he deserves a little more leash. So jury's not out on any of those guys yet.
2: you mentioned the the approach a little bit and that was one thing I wanted to ask you about uh, Parker Meadows because he he was kind of uh you know racking up the strikeouts the first couple months and then I was looking the last month he's kind of turned into Sam McMillan he's got uh, 17 games just eight strikeouts and six walks but he's not hitting the ball very hard so I'm I'm kind of curious if you've noticed an evolution in his approach over the, the first couple months
1: so, you know, it's funny. Like, when he got to West Michigan, everybody was pitching him fastballs away and curveballs in the dirt. And he finally started to get the hang of it about two weeks ago. And he went on a, a 10-game stretch where he was about a 350 hitter, and they stopped pitching him that way. Now they're, they've adjusted, and now they're throwing him fastballs up, and they're staying with curveball low. And the big reason for that is because of his height, you know, you're six foot five. And the thing about Parker is that, you know, and he's still learning how to use that frame and Parker being a speed guy in high school is kind of had the look of a six foot five kid who was taking a swing of a five foot six kid. So you kind of have to feel feel out the power and kind of help him figure out that, you know, it's okay to take a healthy cut. And, We've seen him run into something. He hits the ball really hard, but he just doesn't take a swing that, that, that allows him to do that right now. But, you know, I think, you know, pitch recognition is starting to improve for him. You just threw those numbers out. I've seen that too. Um, the, that's the reason they're throwing him fastballs up in the zone right now because it's the one place that he's having a little bit of trouble laying off. You know, when you're six foot five, you know, a fastball at the letters might be, you know, considered a strike back in the olden days. Not so much anymore, but, you know, when you're that tall, that looks pretty appetizing, and everybody loves a high fastball, and everyone thinks they can get to it. So that's kind of what they're using against Parker right now. But, you know, I think once you see him find the ability to lay off that particular pitch, I think we'll see that that, that surge that we've all been waiting for.
0: Yeah, and and for for somebody like, for example, even – uh we talked about Kingston lineac too we mentioned him a little earlier who's starting to get some at bats but um also in the outfield who's done a pretty good job and was the tigers representative in the midwest league all star game is uh in, in one of chris's favorites um <laughs> uh, you yeah or thank you uh thank you chris for the pronunciation help. um just having a great year he's got the he's got ten home runs he's got he, his on base percentage is almost near nine hundred he's done a very good job of just his approach, and again, in coming over from, he's coming over from Australia, and 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 just for position player, which is something coming more and more. Australians are asserting themselves more in the game, but he, his year has been impressive. And, and talk about his performance defensively as well.
1: Well, so I think we'll kind of go back to just last year. Like he came to West Michigan, and he was he actually impressed. He didn't hit for the highest average, but. You know, he got sent down, and I remember kind of just thinking, like, you know, that might that felt a little early to send him down. He, he he showed enough that there might be something there, and we we finally have seen all that this year. I mean, nobody talks about the fact that he's just 20 years old. I mean, he's the same age as Jose King. He just looks a lot different than Jose King. You know, he's just <laughs> a big guy. He's an Australian guy. He's he's the Whitecaps man of the world. He uh, the the backstory on him is pretty cool. Uh, he was born in South Africa and raised in Australia to German parents and now he's working in the United States so you know he, he's he's traveled everywhere he's seen a lot and now he's here and his teammates love him I mean and he's the one guy uh, in that lineup that has been consistently you know really just delivering at the plate I mean in every aspect too and Now he's starting to take a few walks, which is really exciting. So now you mix in a little plate discipline, and all of a sudden, okay, like maybe you've got, you know, a little more of a well-rounded guy. He'll never be a guy that walks as much as he strikes out, but he hits the ball so hard. I mean, he's he's 110 miles an hour off the bat waiting to happen. So, you know, you get a guy like that, and you teach him a little bit more about pitch recognition, and he can pick up spin a little bit better. Now you're talking about, you know, a guy who could potentially be – you know, a 270 hitter, you know, down the line, maybe in in a high leverage situation or with a higher leverage team in the minor league system. So, you know, who knows what he is in the major leagues, but he's, his prospect status has been established a lot more than some of the other guys in the system this year.
2: Yeah. And that's uh, the last uh, position player I wanted to mention to you. Uh, speaking of highly ranked uh, prospects is Winslow Perez, who has uh, gotten off to a rough start of the season on both sides of the ball, it seems, but, uh, it does seem to be – he seems to be making incremental improvements. And I think you mentioned on the show the other day that a lot of his errors seem to be on routine plays. So I'm curious if you want to elaborate on him a little bit more.
1: Uh, I think we've seen him defensively make some plays that he he needs to make. Um, that's been kind of the his bugaboo this year. He's been booting grounders that have been hit right to them but making plays on really tough ground balls. So we know it's there. We know the ability's there, but it's just kind of – Correcting some of the easy stuff. So there's that. Um, he's been very streaky as a hitter this year. Uh, we we have you know we'll go through a homestand where he goes eight for 15, and then we'll go on the road and he goes two for 20. So you know it's just a matter of you know staying in that zone and you know kind of trying not to do too much. You know, Wenzel. That's one of the things is I think Wenzel knows he's talented. And sometimes you you can't, you can't believe that you kind of have to continue to keep grinding for it. And he's, he's got, you know, he's at 300 with the Whitecaps as an 18 year old last year. So, you know, he's been able to do a lot at a really young age at a pretty high level for being 18 years old. So in guys at 18 years old, in the Midwest league, if you're doing anything that's significant, I mean, 18 year olds in this league, have been Fernando Tatis Jr., have been Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I mean, you know, guys like that who do things at 18 years old. So I was kind of hoping for a little bit more from him this year. There's still a ton of time. He could still be something in the second half. But, you know, he's he's trying to learn some of the the intricacies of the game. Uh, he's trying to learn how to bunt for base hits. And it's not exactly going well <laughs> he uh, he probably needs to just just bag that whole thing and try to just focus on getting on base so he's not in a no ball one strike count every time he steps up there but oh. you know, he, he does have a lot to like and we'll we'll see what the second half brings for him I, I think he can find a way out of it he was too good last year not to make you think that way
2: I'm wondering where that uh, if that bunting for hits is his own idea or if that's coming from the org. <laughs> I'd like to see less of that, but whatever.
0: Yeah, but uh, no, especially last year watching him. Like there was a couple pitches last year when we were at the game where you remember that Chris, where he was like just fishing and was still managed to make contact. So his pitch recognition is incredible. But but yeah, to bunt, I don't know. It uh, seems like a bad idea. But <laughs> I mean, it's a nice, it's a nice skill to have. But I just uh, you know I I want these kids to hit first. But whatever. The fans, the fans want the, the fans don't want button. So uh, let's move on. We have a couple, we have a couple, air a couple questions. Thanks to uh, Keen Carter from Tigers minor league tracker who put out some questions for us to get some questions from the, some of the, our fans out there. And we also have a couple uh, questions on Twitter. This one comes from Michael powers. How soon will Cody Clemens make a rise up? He's starting to hit a little
1: bit i mean he's been in lakeland and he was off to a slow start with west michigan last year then he started to heat up and you know lakeland at the end of last season didn't do a whole lot but now he's starting to, to, to put some good at bats together i think i saw he had three hits the other night so you know cody cody is an offensive second baseman and those are fun i mean i mean everybody there's, there's not a team in baseball That's looking for an offensive second baseman and he's a left-handed hitter too. I think that just gives him another shot, uh, at least another edge. Uh, But I've always liked Cody's approach. I think it's super advanced. I I haven't really seen much of him this year, Um, but defensively he's more than capable of handling that position. You know, there was, you know, I remember talking to his dad and, and Roger was just saying that, you know, this guy is probably a third baseman more than he is a second baseman. So, you know, I think, and maybe that's just because he's his dad, but <laughs> you know, they have good arms in that family. I don't know if you've heard that, <laughs> but he's, you know, he's over at third base and you know, if he can, if he can handle second base and, and play a good second base there, you know, I, I do think Erie's in the cards later this year. And if you're in Erie later this year, then, you know, you're a candidate for Detroit anytime in 2020. So, you know, whether it's sooner than later, who knows, but, You know, just another guy that they're trying to get to those upper levels of the system. So, you know, you know how Erie's really fun right now.
0: It's eventually going to be Toledo, probably later this year. Yeah, well, that'd be be awesome to see him, especially because Tigers, there was the nonstop thing about fans is when we're going to see another infielder up from the system. Uh, Tom McComb has a two-parter, but I, I like the second part of that question. Uh, what would it take for Jacob Robson to get a shot in Detroit? Of course, there would have to be some 40 man maneuvering roster uh, moving, but um, another part of that question, Frank Plaz is, do you think he's going to be a key part of the Tigers future? This went down again on the IL and it's an unfortunate situation for a young guy who really Dan is trying to work his way through this. And it's just, it's, it's really tragic.
1: Yeah, it's too bad. It's uh it's it things. Uh, well, let's start with Robson. So, Essentially, you know, Robbie's hitting the cover off the ball right now. I was taking a look at this, and I think he's at uh, 440 batting average in his last 10. And he had a really slow start to the year. I mean, really slow. And I think he was hitting about 200 because you know, last year he rolled into Toledo and he hit 300, and he had some home run power that we had never seen from him before. And so he didn't have that same start this year, but it looks like he's starting to make up the lost time. Uh, he's always been a capable outfielder. Um, he, he can cover ground in the outfield arm is okay. Um, uh, but you know, when it comes to getting on base, he's just always had that ability, good bunter. I mean, just kind of a little things guy as well. Um, you know, I kind of saw a little Brett Gardner, if he could find everything to kind of piece together and get comfortable in the major leagues. Um, uh, but I have always liked Robbie's game. Uh, I think he's a really, really smart kid. And I do think he's the kind of guy that gives you, you know, a jack of all trades kind of player. So, I, I like Robbie. I do think he's got an opportunity to get up there. You know, he's got to get around a couple of outfielders. I mean, there, it might it might be a trade. I mean, the Tigers have an outfielder. I don't know if you're aware, but there's, there's a guy that could be moved at some point in July. So, you know, maybe a spot opens up for him that way. You know, and and there's obviously other guys in Toledo too that that people have clamored for to see in the major leagues. Maybe those guys aren't as ready. Maybe they leave them down a little bit longer and take a guy like Robbie and give him an opportunity. So, yeah, I think Robbie could certainly have a chance to get up this year, uh, especially Excuse me, if there are some moves within the system. As for Franklin Perez, I don't know. Like, I don't know about you guys, but the way it kind of feels now is, you know, if you get anything from him, great, but I'm not counting on it anymore. As much as I want to see, Franklin Perez come back at a hundred percent full health. I mean, how many trips is this to the injured list now? I mean,
2: it's five. It's I believe. Super frustrating.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's so many. So you know, you essentially you're missing two years worth of time, and to miss that kind of time, it, I feel like that's really hard to make up. So I, I guess we'll have to hold out, wait and see. But you know, he's he, he needs he needs to produce or show something. At, at, over July or August or even early September, but I guess I'm not I'm not counting on it at this point.
0: Yeah, well, it, it, yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's almost it,
1: is that the optimistic answer you guys were hoping? Yeah, I don't
0: know. That's no, that's no, that's optimistic, but no, you're but it's <laughs> it's reality. That's like that's what Chris and I always speak about. We speak with reality, and it's just one of those things where you see a lot of the fans just kind of. Doing that thing on social media, where they're like lost the trade, and it's like it gets it gets overplayed and stupid. And at this point, you just wish the kid better health overall. It doesn't matter what's going on. But uh, uh, a, a good question here, and there's actually there's an article about him in the Detroit News today, which is pretty funny. Uh, Brandon Vander Windergard, uh, real name. Uh, why was the caster <laughs> back at Erie for a bit while lights out at Toledo? And 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 the casters jumped around everywhere. This is a. That was made a really impressive journey, 18th round draft pick. And, and, and Dan, I mean, what have you seen? Out of, why is that the Castro back in here? That's a good question.
1: You know what? It's funny you bring him up because, you know, I remember seeing him pitch the first or second time. And, you know, we've seen it with a handful of guys, you know, in West Michigan. But you know, there's only a handful of guys that we kind of look at each other in the radio booth and we go, you know something? I think that's a big leaguer. <laughs> I usually don't say that about guys who are like, close to the 20th round in the draft, but even DeCaster is a big leaguer and that, that guy will pitch and pitch well in Detroit. I, I think if they needed a, an arm up there and wanted to bring him up, he could easily go to Detroit right now and produce, you know, I, I, we've seen guys like John Schreiber. We've seen, you know, Anthony Castro have success. We've seen, you know, Greg Soda have success. And, you know, those guys have all had talent, but not every single one is a guy that immediately strikes you that, that you go, that's a big leaguer. DeCaster is a big leaguer. So, at some point he'll get that call and you know, I think when it comes to Toledo, you know, there's a lot of guys that are on, you know, 40 man that probably they don't want to bump off maybe older guys in Toledo. So, is just kind of floating between double and triple A, but I wouldn't read anything too far into that. And now that I think the Tigers they had signed Jose Cisnero, they purchased that contract so, and in doing so, that created a spot in Toledo. So, if I saw it right, the caster's back in Toledo, I believe. So, I think that's where he'll end up staying.
0: Yeah, and the, and the last Tiger who, from the late rounds, made, that, was, that made an appearance on the team within a pretty quick time span, it was called up relatively quickly, was one Robbie Weinhart, when he was drafted out of the 10th round in 2008. And I always use that as a, <laughs> a stumper for reference, but he was the last reliever that was drafted in the late rounds that was called up Uh Pretty quickly. It was within a year after he was drafted, um, he was brought up. But, uh, no, it was in, in, in the caster. And Chris and I joked about the Tigers taking a new love affair with side armors. And uh, I think of if it's uh, Dan, we have some Dan Quisenberry fans out there among the staff or um, but uh, uh,
1: Chad Bradford,
0: <laughs> Chad Bradford. man, his, it almost like it felt like his delivery. It was within his fingers almost scraped around each and every time. Yeah, he was more of a summer Yeah. Yeah, he was, uh, he went really low on the ground. But, uh, Chris, was there any other question? We we played, uh, we played Lake County this weekend. That's the Indians
1: single A affiliate. Yeah. And, uh, they have about three side armors in their bullpen. There was one lefty side armor that I was convinced was pitching underhand.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah,
2: you see some of that. Uh, I remember there was a, uh, Side armor the very first year I went out there to cover the white caps. I, I think his last name was Smith, but I don't remember which one of the eight Smiths it was. That would was... be Gage Smith.
1: He had a yeah. very long and curly mustache.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I remember him throwing like 83 underhand or not underhand but sidearm. I'm like, well, all right, this is the minor leagues, give it a try. Yeah, but the, yeah, and
1: those guys never seem to make it right. You know, like that's always yeah. been
2: the thing about yeah. side armor. Like,
1: yeah, they're fun and like low A and High A, but do they ever make it to the big league? Not really. But you know, John Schreiber I think has a real good chance to make it up to Detroit. I, I don't know, you know, when it comes to guys like Nolan Blackwood. I didn't I never saw Blackwood or, or any of the other side armors, but but you know, that guy has a certainly has a shot.
0: And the catcher
1: clearly has a chance.
0: And uh the last question too we had was what you've seen what other players in the midwest league that stood out I was gonna, probably going to ask you about your opinion about Wander, Wander Wander Franco, who got called up to Class A this week. Um, outside of, I mean, of course, you've probably seen what he's been able to do, but is there anybody else out there among the teams that stood out to you as going, wow, this guy's going to it's going to be a stud the next level?
1: Are you guys uh, big
0: fans of, of that little cafe down the street called the Hot Take
1: Cafe? Cause it's about <laughs> to be open. <laughs> Uh, so, so I'll say this about Wander Franco: Wander Franco is the best player I've ever seen in the Midwest.
0: Wow! It's more so
1: than Fernando Tatis Jr. More so than Vlad Guerrero Jr.
0: Man, it's heating um, up in here! Wow.
1: We we saw him for about eight games, and it's not it's it's pretty cool when you see a guy show all five tools but in a loud way in a, in one series, like there wasn't, there wasn't a series that went by that. We didn't see him a make an outstanding throw b make an outstanding defensive play at shortstop, the premium defensive position. We, every series saw him hit for average. We saw him hit for power and we saw him steal bases. It was just like, Oh my, this kid is crazy. Like, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is a great player. Like, I'm not taking anything away from him. He's awesome. I I would give my kidney to have him in a Tiger uniform right now. But, you know, Vladdy Jr., he's he's not a speed guy, and he doesn't play great defense. It's okay. Right. But he's a bat. You know, Fernando Tatis is a little more well-rounded. But Wander Franco is the dude. I mean, he's the big Lebowski of minor league baseball players. I love Wander Franco.
0: So, yeah, he's by far the best player I've seen in the league. And, all right, well, that's, yeah, well, that, that endorsement, um, <laughs> that being said, thanks, Dan, for coming on. We really appreciate it. You can find Dan Hasty, again, calling the game tomorrow night against the Dayton Dragons. That game was at 7 o'clock. That's part of a four game homestand. And then the last episode of the Road to Detroit, episode five, he was talking to some Erie Seawolves and Alex Fado, who's been pitching pretty well, has been making some adjustments. Um, down there, and you got to talk to broadcaster Greg uh, Ganya as well and kind of give an update on what's going on with KC Mize. if uh, you heard anything else about that before we let you go, about Casey Mize at all? Yeah, I haven't
1: heard anything too much about Mize. Uh, I can tell you that the, the plans coming together for the next episode is uh, Daz Cameron is uh, ideally the guy that we'll talk to for uh, the Toledo version. Of uh, of RTD, and then I think we're going to try to talk to Doug Kavich. He's a really good interview. Uh, I like him because he's brutally honest. So <laughs> we'll we'll see exactly how much stuff he says that gets him in trouble. Uh, but Doug Kavich and Daz Cameron are, are, are planned
0: to be the guests for that one. Yeah, the Mudheads have been playing better as of late. They've been trying. They've been putting it together pretty well in the last two weeks or so. And then with uh, Victor Reyes. Hitting the ball pretty hard, and they they got some. They've been getting some pretty good pitching, and also, I mean, congratulations to this name I never thought in a million years I would actually say Tyler Alexander named Isle pitcher of the week, and that is a huge <laughs> accomplishment because I've been on the Tyler Alexander train since day one. I've got a lot of crap for it, and that's perfectly fine. Um, but he is um, he's dominating his last couple. He's his um, his last start, he struck out twelve against Rochester on Saturday while just giving up two hits and in seven innings, and that's that's awesome and. Good for him, too. He's been a guy who's been in the system for a while and finally it just seems like hopefully he's coming together. I mean, that's that's awesome. I'm pretty pumped. So he was named IELTS Player of the Week. And so episode six of the Road to Detroit, you can find it on iTunes. Hashtag Road to Detroit. Great stuff over there, Dan. You guys are doing a great job over there. And thank you again for taking the time to come on this afternoon with us. Thanks, boys. You guys are the Wander Broncos of Tigers Podcast. (laughs) I take that yeah. as an awesome endorsement. Thank you I, so much.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll be Wander those other two brothers named Wander Franco. <laughs> <laughs>